Good evening. Turn, if you would, tonight to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. debated on whether or not to say anything as to uh, the Meredith house yesterday because I don't want you to get tired of hearing about it, but since it's only the second time, I don't think you could be too tired of it, but uh, we had a good time yesterday with the residents of the Meredith house and uh, just got to enjoy singing for about 45 to 50 minutes with them, and I thought it was interesting, Brother Mike, that you picked that song for the final song today because I was going to have that be the final song yesterday. I thought it might be an encouragement to the residents. And then the hymnal we're using over there didn't have the song, so I didn't get to be a blessing to them uh, in that regard. But uh, anyways, just to let you know, because some schedule changes have taken place, that ministry is going to be moved to Monday mornings at 11 o'clock. All right, so starting on the 27th of this month, uh, that'll be on a Monday. That is when that is going to take place out at the Meredith House. And I'm just going to put it out there one more time. If you could be there and join us, it is a blessing to the residents. I promise you, you'll be blessed by watching the people um, try to sing along. And some do a very good job. Others struggle a little bit. But uh, it is a blessing. And uh, uh, the director out there of the activities, I, I don't know what her exact title would be. But uh, anyway, she has said that the residents love it and that uh, they've really enjoyed the time together. So uh, come out and join us if you can, and it'd be a blessing, all right? So that in mind, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we will get started. Father, it is good to be in your house tonight, and Lord, we are thankful for the truth that we're able to be reminded of in song tonight. God, I do pray that you would help me in these next couple of moments to say some things that would be of help uh, to your people tonight. I know that I've already been challenged by it as I've studied and put the thoughts together. Uh, Lord, I, I need this message as much as anyone could, and so I pray that if it's been a help to me, that it would be a help to someone else here tonight. I pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Because of how it ties into tonight's message, I do want to remind us specifically of what the Apostle Paul said last in last week's message. We looked in verses 8 and 9 where Paul said that in his current situation in ministry, he said they were troubled, they were perplexed, they were persecuted and cast down. And all that basically meant was this, is that they were under great pressure. There were times of confusion where they lacked answers to the situations they were in. They felt as though they were being harassed. They felt as though they were being tracked down. They also felt as though the ministry and the things of life had kind of thrown them to the ground. But in the midst of all that, Paul went on to say that they were not distressed. They were not in despair. They were not forsaken. Neither were they destroyed. And so in the midst of all that was going on, in the midst of everything that Paul and the others were dealing with, there was this assurance that God was with them, that God was sustaining them, that they were not overwhelmed by the, the trials of life or the issues of life. And I try to remind us that the Apostle Paul and, again, those who traveled with him, they were human beings who would have loved for their circumstances to have been different. They would have loved for the pressure to have gone away. They would have loved for the harassment to, to be directed elsewhere and not at them. Whatever it was they were dealing with, their flesh would have naturally wanted those things to subside and to not be uh, so present in their life as they were. But in the midst of all that, 
We looked in verse number 11 where he said that it was his desire or it was his, his want in, in all of this that Jesus might be made manifest in his mortal flesh. And so of everything that Paul would have wanted, above all else, he wanted people to see Jesus in him. And so last week I just tried to remind us, it doesn't matter what our circumstances are, it doesn't matter what our situation is, as much as we may want those things to change, what we ought to desire more than anything is for this lost world to see Jesus in us. Above everything else that we would want and desire in this life, we should want people to see the realness of a relationship with Jesus Christ coming out of us. That should be our desire. That should be our hope. So that was last week, and it ties in, as I've already said, to tonight's message. As we make our way to the message this evening, as we make our way to the text, I want to share a story with you. It'll take just a moment for it to develop, but there's a reason for it, so stick with me. Uh, But over the last couple of years, Susie and I have tried to be in this habit or in this routine of walking. And so as a result of walking and trying to get a little bit of exercise, like most people, we have this route that we take every time we go for a walk. And so we leave our house, we go north just one block, then we head back west a few blocks, and then we head back south. And as soon as we turn south, if your vision was good enough, it's a straight shot down to the high school, okay? And so we walk all the way down to the high school, then we kind of weave our way back until we eventually make our way to the house. Well, I don't know what happened to me Monday night. I have no idea what got into me. But Monday, I asked Leah if she would like to go for a run. And by a run, all I mean is is faster than a walk, okay? I I don't run, but I just, I said, Leah, would you like to go for a jog or for a run? And she said, yes. And, And so we did the exact same route that Susie and I do when we are walking. And so we left our house, we went north one block, we headed west, and then we headed back south. And, and we were doing the exact same routine. And in the midst of this run and in the midst of this jog, whatever you want to call it, I was reminded of something. Well, I was actually reminded of a lot of things. But uh, I was reminded of this thing in particular, that what you choose to focus on makes all the difference in the world. What you choose to focus on in the midst of your situation makes all the difference in the world. Don't get wrapped up in the specifics about, uh, of what I'm about to say. Just, just give attention to this so that you'll understand what I'm trying to communicate. Because I've not run in so long and because I am in such poor shape when it comes to cardio issues, There is no way that I could afford to place my focus on the end of the run down the street where the high school would be located. If I was going to make it through this run, you know what I had to focus on? Each stop sign at each intersection before me. I had to keep telling myself, just make it to the next stop sign. Just make it to the next stop sign. I had to fix my focus and I had to fix my attention on something that helped me reach the goal that I set before me on that particular endeavor. 
So you understand this principle? You understand this thought? I trust that you do. That it does matter what you and I put our focus on. It does matter what you and I give our attention to and the situations that we find ourselves in over the course of our lives. Now, as we think about that, I just want to throw one more thing out here, and then we'll, we'll move on. But I, I want us to think about the, the fact and the reality that when a person is young, it should be understood that there is going to be a level of immaturity present, correct? Maybe we don't give young people enough leeway here, but, but, but think about this. As a result of being young, there should be a certain level of understanding on an older person's part that there's going to be some immaturity present because they don't have the experience of life to get them to that place of maturity. Okay, but as a person grows and as a person ages and as a person has experiences, what should happen? Well, they should mature, should they not? That is what should happen. That is what should take place. That as a result of years, as a result of experience, some maturity or some maturing ought to take place. And yet here is what we know. It does not always happen the way that it ought. Sometimes you look at people and they are in grown-up bodies, but they still think and they still act like young people or teenagers. Do they not? And you look at that and you say, well, you know, that's not a good thing. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not right. And yet that is the way it is so many times. People who ought to be more mature, who ought to be further along in in their understanding of things, it's the way it should be, but they're not. And again, it is unfortunate. Now, tonight if we were going to look at each verse specifically, we would start in verse number 12. We're not going to do that tonight. We're just going to touch on some things. And I want to remind us that the Apostle Paul said in the sermon we looked at last week or the message we looked at last week, he said that death was something that faced him on a regular basis. Because of the ministry and because of the hostility toward his ministry, the reality of death was something that he lived with on a regular basis. Now, as we think about that, Paul talks about how he has declared and he has spoken of the things which he believes. Paul was not just preaching something that was convenient for him. The Apostle Paul believed everything that he preached. He was convicted by it. He was sure of it. And as we know, he was willing to die for what he believed. And he was willing to die in part because he says in verse number 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. So the Apostle Paul, of all the things he was convinced of, of all the things he was sure of in his mind, it was the resurrection of the saints. And so the Apostle Paul was more than willing to die for his faith. He was more than willing to die for what he believed in and proclaimed to whomever would listen. And so we see Paul, and, and he's probably not in the beginning stages of his ministry. We understand that. And as you think about where he's at in ministry, you've got to love verse number 16 because he says again in verse number 16, for which cause... We faint not. 
So understanding all the pressure that he's under, understanding all the harassment that he deals with, understanding all the confusion that the Apostle Paul has dealt with over the years of ministry, I like that he says once more, so close to the beginning of this chapter, he says, we faint not, simply saying we're not quitting and we're not giving up just because it's not easy. We're not going to faint. We're not going to become weary. We're not going to to reach a point where we just kind of throw our hands up in the air and say, no, we're done. But I like what he says next, okay? This is good from my perspective anyways. He says, but though our outward man perish, but though our outward man perish. Well, what does that mean? It just means this. This old body eventually grows old and dies. Now, you have to live a little bit to understand that, don't you? Try telling a young person they're not always going to feel that good, and what do they do? They kind of look at you like, what do you mean I'm not always going to feel this good? Try telling them that there's going to come a point they're not always going to want to do now or later what they're doing now, and they may just kind of look at you like, I don't understand. The Apostle Paul realized that the outward man perished, but he said, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. So the inward man, he said, it is strengthened on a daily basis. So here's the Apostle Paul. He's got stress. He's got pressure. He's got questions. He's got people harassing him. He's dealing with all these things. And Paul says, I believe it. He's willing to die for it because he is convinced of the resurrection of the saints. And he says, listen, though the outward man, though the flesh, it perishes, the inward man is strengthened and renewed day by day. And there isn't any quit in me, Paul says. So that in mind, notice what he says in verse number 18. We see some things that reflect the maturity of the, of the Apostle Paul. We see some things that he has understood as a result of some years and some experience. And, and, and I want us to give attention to this, okay? He says in verse number 18, he said, While we look not at the things which are seen. While we look not at the things which are seen. What does it mean to look on something? It means this. To focus on something. I want us to hear this. It means to focus on something. So here's the Apostle Paul, and what is he saying? He is saying this in order to get through life, I've had to make a choice as to what I'm going to focus on. Kind of like myself getting through a run. I've got to decide if I'm going to get through this, what am I going to focus on? So here's the Apostle Paul, and, and what he is saying is this is we do not look at things which are seen, we're not giving our focus and we're not fixing our attention on what you can see. Now, what is that a reference to whenever he says the things which are seen? Well, that would be the things of this world, correct? It would be because that's what a person can see. Paul was no different than you and I. He was only able with the physical eye to see the things of this world and what the world would try to tell you mattered. Think about this. Here's the Apostle Paul, and guess what? The the nature of man has not changed in the last 2,000 years. So 2,000 years, guess what people were saying, and guess what people were doing? 
People were saying that the things of this world is what mattered most. And that's how they were living, and that's how they were functioning, and that's how they were operating. And the Apostle Paul would have been aware of every bit of it. To be aware of something, though, does not mean that that's what you've got your eyes fixed upon. So the Apostle Paul would have been aware of those people who said that wealth is important, that possessions are what matter, that clout is what matters, that reputation is what matters. Paul would have been aware of all that, but, but, but what, what he said, though, was this, is that's not what we have chosen to focus on. He says what we have chosen to look at or to focus on has this or is this, the things which are not seen. So what did he focus on? He focused on that which was spiritual. Something that would not have been earthly, it would have been heavenly or spiritual. Well, what is spiritual? Well, it would be things like this. The souls of mankind. One's personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One's testimony before the lost. I mean, there are several things that could be placed there. I don't know exactly what Paul was talking about, but he said, here is what we have chosen to focus on, and here is what we have chosen to give our attention to, not the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Well, Paul, why have you chosen this as to be the thing you focused on and decided not to focus on this. So he gives the answer. Most of us are aware of it. He says in verse number 18, For the things which are seen are temporal. Well, if it's temporal, then we know what that means, don't we? It means it's not going to last. It means it'll be here one day and gone the next. You may hold it in your hands today, but it may be gone tomorrow. But here's what you know for sure. It, it will not last forever. So Paul says, I'm choosing to focus on the unseen and not the seen because that which is seen is not going to last forever. He said, it is the things which are not seen that are eternal. So is this all making sense? Money will not last. Possessions will not last. Position will not last. Clout will not last. Whatever the world tells us is important. Paul says, friends, that's temporal. There is nothing eternal about it. But when you focus on what is unseen, you are focused on that which is eternal. One's personal relationship with the Lord transcends time. One's investment in the souls of other men and women and children, that will outlast anything this world has to offer. And so Paul said, I am choosing and we are choosing to give our attention to that which is unseen rather than what is seen because of the eternal nature of what is not seen. So to try to tie all this together, Paul is under pressure. He is harassed. He is dealing with the difficulties of life. He's going through all these different things. 
And he says that he is speaking and he is preaching those things which he believes. He's more than happy to die for them because he is confident of the resurrection of Christ. He's not going to quit because though he is growing weak, maybe in the flesh, his spirit or his inner man is renewed day by day. And with some experience and maturity, he has determined what he is going to focus on to get him through this life. Now, all that said, I want us to notice now in verse number 17. I know this is familiar to many of us, but like I said earlier, I was helped by it, and I think some of us can be helped by it. He said in verse number 17, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What has Paul dealt with? He's dealt with harassment. He's dealt with beatings. He's dealt with being stoned. He's dealt with shipwreck. He's dealt with all these different things. And of the affliction, here's what he said. It is a light thing. Think about that. What does it mean for something to be light? It means for it to be relatively insignificant, correct? I mean, think about this for just a moment, okay? Uh, if somebody were to hand you, say, a 50-pound weight, and they said, just hold this, uh, you would hold it, and, and most likely you would begin to feel the effects of it fairly soon, right? Because that is significant. But if somebody walked up to you and said, hey, listen, here's a one-pound dumbbell. Could you hold on to me or hold on to this for me for just a moment? You would look at this like, nah, it's no big deal, right? I mean, most ladies' purses weigh more than that, and, and they carry that with no issue whatsoever. So, so think about this. To, to look at the afflictions that the Apostle Paul dealt with, to, to consider everything that he was going through, you and I, I at least, would look at that and say, man, that, that's some pretty serious stuff that you're going through. That, that's some pretty weighty stuff that you're going through. But the Apostle Paul said of the affliction that they endured, that it was light. That it wasn't really a burden to have to carry what he's had to carry. Paul, how could you say of your affliction? Paul, how could you say of everything that you've gone through that it's light? And his answer would be, because of where I've chosen to focus my attention. It's what I have chosen to focus my attention on that is helping me in this circumstance, that is helping me in this situation. Think about it. Paul knew what Christ did so that Paul might have salvation. 
Paul thought eternally. He did not think worldly. He understood what his salvation cost. He understood that it was by the grace of God that he had been called into the ministry. He understood that it was the power of God that sustained him. And so as Paul looked at all of this, it's because of what he had focused his attention on that he could say of his affliction, you know, really, in light of everything, this isn't that big of a deal. He said, which is but for a moment. What does that mean? It just means this. It's not like it's going to last forever. Just for a moment. So here's Paul's perspective on affliction. It's really not that big a deal. And it's not like it's going to be here forever. And then he said next, it's that light affliction which is but for a moment it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What does it mean for something to work? It means for something to be produced or for something to be accomplished. So he says this affliction, whatever it is, he said it works in us or it produces or it accomplishes in us a far more exceeding or an abounding and eternal weight of glory, which simply means this, something by which you can praise God in. Think about it. Paul, what, what's your position on this affliction that you're in? It's really no big deal. You just got beat. Well, I understand, and it hurt. But it's really not that big a deal. Why? Because my focus is on that which is unseen, that which is eternal, not what the world tells me is important. It, it, listen, it, it's not that big a deal when you compare it in light of eternity. And, and you're saying it's not going to last forever? Right. How could you possibly say that, Paul? Well, because, see, I have fixed my attention, and that's what I have focused on, is that which is eternal. Listen, for me to die is gain. And listen, in light of eternity, this is not a real long time that I've got to suffer. Paul, how can you have such a spirit and say something like this, that, 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 that the afflictions that you're going through, it just serves as a, as a way of accomplishing in you this ability to praise God. How can you say that? How can you be of such a spirit? Because of where my focus is. Because of where my focus is, I can, I can look at the situations of life and say, glory to God. He continues to renew me day by day. He continues to strengthen me. He continues to aid me. He continues to be by my side. Do you understand the significance of what Paul had placed his attention on, what he had focused on? It was because of what he focused on that the affliction, the harassment, the questions, everything he dealt with, he could say, it's light in comparison. It's temporary in comparison. And in spite of all of it, it gives me something by which to praise God and to glory in. Without the affliction, he couldn't have praised God. Without the affliction, he couldn't have gloried in the grace of God and the renewing of his strength. 
That is amazing maturity. Paul developed in his spiritual life like he was supposed to, so much so that because of what he gave his focus to, no matter the affliction, it was a light thing that was temporal that gave him the ability to praise God in. So, I'm putting the thoughts together for the sermon, and I'm thinking, I know how this applies. I know how it applies to me anyway. And in conclusion, here's what I had to admit. I'm not as mature as I ought to be in my spiritual life. I'm not talking about you. I'm not talking about anyone in this room other than myself. But as I put the thoughts together and I tried to see how this would make application, not just to you, but to myself, here is what I had to conclude of myself. That I am not as mature in my Christian life as I ought to be. And here's how I know. When affliction comes, I don't generally view it as a light thing. Does this make sense? So, What do you mean? I just mean this. Whenever the difficulties come to my life, I don't generally respond in my mind by saying, you know, really, it's not that big a deal. Now, I might look at some of the situations you're going through. I might look at some of the situations other people are going through. And in a, and in a self-righteous spirit, I might say, listen, it's really not that big a deal until that shoe is on my foot. And then all of a sudden, it's a much bigger issue. Isn't it amazing how good we are? Some, well, let me rephrase that. Isn't it amazing sometimes how good some people are at determining the significance of other people's afflictions? And because it's not a big deal to them, it shouldn't be a big deal to the other person. Yet oftentimes if the same thing or something similar happens to them, all of a sudden it is a big deal. It's pretty easy to evaluate the situation when we're not the one involved in the situation. I'm just saying my lack of maturity reveals itself because many times in the midst of affliction, maybe not every time, but many times in the midst of affliction, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of questions, whatever it is, it's the biggest thing in the world that I could possibly be facing in that moment. Now, I'm just saying of myself, and if this applies to you, then maybe you can be helped by this. But I'm just saying if God allows us to go through something, we ought to be mature enough, if we've been saved very long at all, we ought to be mature enough to begin realizing in comparison to what God has done for us, this really is a relatively light thing. It really is. No, you don't understand, Brother Kyle. This situation is big. Bigger than shipwreck? Bigger than stoned and left for dead? Bigger than beaten? I, I just I don't think most of us are there yet. 
no matter how dramatic we want to be. I, I'm just saying sometimes a person's lack of maturity is seen in how they view their affliction, and we ought to be maturing to the point that we realize it's not that big of a deal. And maturity manifests itself in this way sometimes. We believe it's never going to end. You ever hear some people say things like this? Just one thing after another. Tell you what, it just it never ends around here. It's just one thing after another. Uh, it's just it's just it's always something. No, it's not. It's not. But it's what we allow ourselves to look at. See, the Apostle Paul had this maturity. He said, you know, it's light, and it's really not that long in comparison to that which is eternal. And then sometimes my immaturity, and maybe others, it's seen in this, that we don't realize the affliction is an opportunity for us to be able to glory in who God is in our lives. Rather than, rather than realizing He is renewing us day by day and glorying God in that and praising God in that, we're failing to see the opportunity that we have to glory in Him. Again, that reveals some immaturity on our part. So if you can relate to anything I've said this evening, which I hope some of us can, but if we can relate to anything I've said this evening, then we probably ought to ask this question. Why am I there? Why am I guilty of this? Why are the afflictions still such a big deal to me? Why am I still thinking that it's always something and it's always something happening and going wrong and taking place? Why am I of that perspective? And, and why do I fail to see the ability to glory God in the midst of the affliction? It's very simple. It's because of what we have chosen to give our eyes to or what we have chosen to look upon. I don't know if this is making sense for anyone but myself, but, but I would say it like this. The reason that I struggle in the midst of my affliction to view it as light and temporal and something that I can glory God in is because my eyes are no longer focused on what is unseen and eternal, but my eyes are focused on what is seen and what is temporal. If I have a downward focus, if I have a downward look, then I will not view the afflictions of this life in the way that I ought. But if my focus is upward, if my focus is fixed on that which is unseen and that which is eternal, then I will respond to the afflictions in the way that I ought. So whenever I don't respond in the way that I ought, 
It reveals spiritual immaturity. And it reveals where my focus is at. And this evening, if I've not already said it, I just want to say it and make it clear. If in the midst of affliction, if in the midst of hard times, you don't view it for what it is, light, temporal, and an opportunity to praise God, then your focus is on the things of this world, on things that are temporal, and the focus needs to be readjusted. What we focus on makes all the difference in the world as to how we go through the circumstances and the situations of life. What is our focus on? Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for prayer. Fathers, I come to you this evening, and I pray that you would help us, Lord. Lord, if there's anyone else in here tonight who may identify with my struggles, I pray that you'd help us to be reminded of where our focus needs to be, where our attention needs to be. Because I know for myself it is so easy to get wrapped up in the drama of my affliction. Whatever the questions are, whatever the pressure may be, it is so easy to get wrapped up in that. And it simply indicates that my eyes are no longer focused on you. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us tonight, whoever may need this, to place our focus and our attention on you once more. I pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.